A brave but inaccurate Hawthorne side couldn't quite do the double on arch-rivals Essendon in season 2021. The Bombers snatching an unconvincing win. But all in all, there were still positives and we got to enjoy a big Box Hill win that we'll also discuss right here on the Hawk Talk podcast. My name is Nick Mason and Tiz, it's never fun losing to Essendon, but at least the boys had a crack. Yeah, they didn't give up, did they? It was a solid performance. If we'd been more accurate, we could have come away with the four points. But do we want those four points, Nick? That is my question. <laughs> well, ultimately, the best result of all would have been a draw. It was almost there. We could have had a draw. We could have retained our own draft hand well enough, not sacrificed that, and we could have dented the hopes of Essendon supporters everywhere. I tell you what, any hope Essendon supporters have is, is false hope. Because, God, they talk them up. Oh, my God. The hype train has left the station for Essendon. And I don't understand why. Is that meant to be indicative? Or does, that, does it say anything about Hawthorne? The fact that everyone's all over Essendon this week is like a major contender? <laughs> like, they've just beaten... Look, I, I like our team still, obviously. But we are 17th. We're not much chop. We're, we're not the team to beat. And we're rebuilding. We could have won, let's face it. It's only 13 points. It's not like they drove us into the ground. They've got some nice players, a little bit of flash here and there, but the fact is if Stringer hadn't played, we win. What was with that? Why the... No one could tackle him. No one could stop him. No one was sent to him. He just did what he liked all day. It was truly a cheat code performance from Jake Stringer. Like, he was just on another level, and you never see it. I mean, his nickname's The Package, which who knows what that's meant to mean in 2021, but it's just once in a blue moon, that kind of effort from him, and uh, it did the job. He he had a profoundly excellent game, but uh, look, I have massive question marks over whether we'll ever see that again. It was just just unlucky. We ran into a player that decided to turn up. Listen, the bloke has his contract up, and in true Essendon style, he shows up to get the contract signed. <laughs> a la Kevin Sheedy. <laughs> yeah, there might be something to that. Uh, look, we, we did get awfully close. I think you're spot on in saying that we didn't play great football, but certainly it was an entertaining arm wrestle the entire day, and I think it was within our grasp. And kick a bit straighter, then it could have been a completely different result. But, uh, you know, as it is, we're, we're licking our wounds and... I mean, I say that, but you're also correct in saying that was there much lost out of this game? I mean, we don't want to win too many more. We know where we're at as a club, and while it is nice to win, we can certainly see the silver linings of uh, walking away without the four points, Tiz. Yeah, well, I was a bit critical of the the midfield makeup. Um, I thought perhaps Daniel Howe could have been used to quell Stringer and a couple of others in there, and also Shields was lost as a force for good. Um, by having him run with merit the whole day, um, except for, I think, in the last quarter when Cousins took over that role. Yeah, th- they did make that switch. But, you know, the, the Shields move was contentious because, you know, you could argue that in, in patches it worked. But at one stage there, Shields didn't have a touch of the footy and Merritt had eight. So you'd have to say that in terms of doing a blanket job on your on your opposition player, that wasn't going to script. But I didn't see Merritt as being integral to a lot of their attacking moves. He just managed to get in the chain. He has carved us up before, so I can understand why they why they put shields on him. And I can also understand um, that we wanted to see what Duke Newcomb could do, um, although he, he was sort of outclassed and, and didn't have any impact this week. Which is okay. I think you afford him that. <laughs> the second game, uh, I mean, he was never going to crack 14 tackles again. He only got three in the end, which, you know. I imagine he was pretty tired, just, <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> imagine the build-up to your first game and then playing so well and having a win and, you know, it'd be a, a roller coaster for the young kid. Well, his initiation properly came just a week later, you know. This was the real test for him and he'll he'll be better for this. It's a... It's a lesson. It's an educational experience, this second game for him. The absence of Warple uh, was felt, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I thought we had some very good players, though. I thought um, Impey, Scrimshaw, Blake Hardwick, basically our whole back half was very good. I was going to say, mate, the, the, the back six at Hawthorne is just so enjoyably excellent from week to week. And I know it's because the footy gets down there a lot, and so we're, we get pummeled, we get battered, and they're forced to to really give their all. But they do. 
they step up every single time and and you know good disposal efficiency good numbers in terms of sheer accumulation of the footy i think they they use it smartly as well um meters gained is always good intercept prowess is always good they certainly get enough practice with the center clearances going against us (laughs) well that's what i'm talking about Uh, and, and this is a problem like the the midfield worries resurfaced, and you had to know that we probably weren't going to have an encore performance from what we showed with the Swans. Uh, we, we were never going to bring that contested footy game again quite the same way, and centre clearances, stoppage clearances, we were beaten there too. So, look, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, the defensive unit have to step up, and I take that point, but I'm just glad that they do because otherwise, oh boy, it could be so much worse, Tiz. I thought they'd launched a couple of very good attacking plays, and I noticed one player in particular took a couple of chances off his own boot and it resulted in goals at the other end of the field, and that player I would like to call out Lockie Bramble. I thought he was integral to a couple of very good team goals. He was indeed. Welcome to the Brown and Gold, Lockie Bramble, his debut game. Just the nine disposals, but you'd have to say, as you've pointed out to, he uses the footy really well when he's got it. He ran at 88.9% disposal efficiency. The two goal assists among his four score involvements. So, also, he was in our top five for pressure acts. Really? See, that's great. Like, he, he looks a very honest player, and he looks like... He can take his chance and he can step up to the level. He didn't look out of, he didn't look overawed. He didn't get a lot of touches. Um, he probably wasn't in the right position much of the time, but he'll he'll learn and he's got the skills. Work in progress, but uh, a satisfactory debut from Lockie Bramble. I'd be happy to see him again this week against the Giants. Uh, circling back around to our defenders, though, uh, voted by Hawthorne fans as the MVP, Jarman Impey, 25 touches at 88%, 8 intercepts, 409 metres gained. Uh, This would be a career-best season he's having, surely. Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, He was robbed by that Geelong push in the back a couple of years ago um, when he was leading the Crimmins. So um, hopefully he gets acknowledged this year. Uh, Yeah, he's he's just doing a power of work back there. And and, uh, as we get deeper into the season... Um, and start looking forward to 2022, we're going to have some problems in selection down in the back half because there's a lot of talent down there and there's only six spots. Yeah, exactly right. We've got to start working out how to redeploy some of these guys. You know, the idea of, uh, you know, we've brought it up on the podcast so many times. I say we, it's all coming from me, admittedly. CJ on the wing, something that has to be explored all of a sudden. And not not necessarily that. you just got to get inventive is what I'm saying. Well, I, I think Clark will be more than happy to let Scrimmer and, and Jars and um, even Will Day up onto the wing and even half forward in future. You know, it, just the rotation out of there, it, it, it works quite well. CJ, um, do we know the extent of his injury yet? He decided to take himself off, so he must have felt something. Well, I'll be honest, when that moment occurred, that probably hurt me more than the impending loss. You know, I the result suddenly took a back seat and I was just pretty miserable at the thought of losing CJ for an extended period of time. And look, he went down to the rooms, he came back, he hasn't been featured on this week's injury list. Right. There's been no murmurs at all about him, so I'm going to have to assume that he's okay. And interestingly, a little bit like um, the Adelaide player that never got on the pitch, uh, Connor Nash. Never got on the pitch, even though CJ went down to the rooms. Does it tell you a little bit about Connor Nash? I don't know, but it's interesting how the football media don't even ask the question. Uh, it's a bit strange. Again, I prompt you, don't you think it says something about Connor Nash? And another thing that's strange, <laughs> Jack Gunston flew down. Did he? And flew back. So what's going on with his back? Why on earth does he need to go down to Tassie? Don't know. Fascinating though, isn't it? Lots of question marks around Gunston. I mean, that in terms of poor decisions from the club, that's got to rank up there with some of the worst this year, I would have thought. That Gunston one just looks more and more like a shocker from week to week. Yeah, you've got to ask questions about Jack. I think you put him in cotton wool now, don't you? We've got one of the worst fixtures for the rest of the year, so just let him heal. It's a back injury. Some of them, you know, they're very dicey. Very hard to tell what's going on, and you certainly don't want to go in and have a look. Definitely a shame that his entire season, bar one game against the Saints, could go down the drain, but that's where we're at. Yep, 
wrap him in cotton wool. There's no point in bringing him back. And uh, yeah, it is a shame, but it is what it is. Um, speaking of forwards, though, Luke Bruce, the punky of old, came to the fourth. Three really good goals to go with 14 touches. I quite enjoyed watching him, Tiz. He's getting back that accuracy that he had in that famous streak of goals. Mm. You know, for a month ago, he looked like he couldn't get near it, and now it's starting to gel a bit. At one point, Essendon supporters would have felt a little bit, you know, uh-oh, they're going to come back for us, because Tom Mitchell was looking like he could do exactly what he did at Eddie Had Stadium, but it just didn't happen in the end. They managed to managed to thwart his efforts, and um, but yeah, they're not that much better than us, and which is a relief, <laughs> I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, don't buy into the hype, people. They are not that good at all, and I think Hawthorne supporters know that, but worth reinforcing. Uh, staying with the forwards, I quite liked uh, the game of Jacob Kaczynski. Finished with three goals, two. He's really continued to stamp his authority as Hawthorne's go-to target. And I was chatting with my dad before the game and can I just say, off that, just such a delight to have family over to watch the game. I think that marks the second time all season I've been able to watch with my family. My dad and my brother, it was just so good. Even though the result didn't go our way, it was a, it was a delight to uh, to have them around and watch the game. And it was something my dad said that struck a chord with me, that uh, it's a real sliding doors moment, in the true sense, not the demo sense, that Cozzy would perform so strongly out at Arden Street against North Melbourne and kick six goals that day. Now, if that doesn't happen, Tiz, the, the forward line suddenly looks a hell of a lot different. If he doesn't demand selection in the way that he did, and indeed Brockman that, that day did as well, but more importantly, Cozzy, if he doesn't put his hand up, I don't know where we're at. He's been seller this year. Yeah, uh, three goals, two, I think, on the day, and didn't kick all that well, but he provides a target. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy watching him. Um, they've got a problem uh, trying to work out whether Lewis comes back into the lineup. I don't know where you sit on that. Nick, do you reckon he's straight back in? Or? I don't know what they do with Lewis. That concussion would be unfortunate in any time, in any circumstance, but that has really kind of derailed him for the time being, and I'm not sure if he gets straight back in or... Yeah, that, that, the forward line is still a conundrum they're working out, and I I would be tempted to, you know, start giving Jekka a go again. Uh, I, I'd be interested to see where Callow fits when, when he starts getting more of a run of games in the VFL. Um, Lewis is not the priority at the moment, I don't think, and that's all right. It kind of hurts me to say that, Tiz, but I think it's okay that he's not the priority. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Callow. Now, he didn't have a big impact at Box Hill, but Jacker was certainly lively. Um, we'll get to that later, but there's some blokes putting their hands up, and it, and it's very good. Very good, although the Bombers in the VFL were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> I would like to point out the game of Chad Wingard and ask... Just what's going on there? Yeah, we had a few questions about this from listeners, and, and we'll get to some of those later as well. But, um, yeah, the issue of Chad Wingard, is he's a confidence player. That must be the thing, because if he starts out a game badly, he doesn't seem to recover. Now, look, he had eight score involvements and 22 touches, and he was on Nick Hind. So he had a big role to play. He did. But he's just... A couple of percent off, isn't he? He is. That, that, those stats, those numbers reflect well on him. But I think we both know, having watched the game, that he wasn't anywhere near going to be a match winner for us. If we got over the line, it wasn't off on the back of Chad Wingard. You know, he, he wouldn't be the first guy I talk about. No, but they're making him into an honest player. He wasn't an honest player at Port Adelaide. Now he's chasing, now he's tackling, now he's winning his own ball. He's just got to make that next step. It's about energy levels, I think, because he relaxes too much on the kicks for goal. It's a bit odd. Fantastic player. Still love to watch him, but he could hit that next level, and you can see it in the development. But uh, I also wondered why Moore wasn't put on hind. Maybe he's not quick enough. I'm not sure. But he, he went for large parts of the game. Um, without having any impact. It feels like he would be quick enough, but they didn't decide to go with it. We heard from one of our listeners, Jared, uh, at Hawk Talk Pod, how good were the boys keeping the game close without giving up the number two draft pick? Also, <laughs> how do we feel about Dylan Moore? What do you want to see from him to earn another contract? It's just goals and running and staying power and breaking the lines. He doesn't get over the back. 
because he's playing very high up the up the ground. But I don't see him crumb enough. I see Bruce as a much better crummer. Maybe that'll come with time, but more. And he he needs to be there front and centre for most packs. And he's just not getting there at the moment. It's it's more about timing, I think. I'd agree with that assessment. Also, it's worth noting that the consistency is key here. The numbers from the Swans game to this week, uh, there was a there was a drop off in almost every area. I think, um, you know, just the overall accumulation was slashed by about half, and, and then obviously through that contested possessions, it was such a strength of his game against Sydney. And that was just slashed too, and then obviously no real score. We kicked one goal, didn't he? But yeah, it's it's about putting it together and getting into the right spots week to week. And um, I think if he manages to do that, if he puts together a consistent body of work, that'll hold him in good stead. But we haven't seen that yet. I tell you who is becoming more consistent, and he's been a little bit of a scapegoat for quite some time, and that is Daniel Howe. He is starting to put some numbers together that actually look quite impressive I know sometimes his choices his decision making is bad but his meters gained was nearly 400 he had a disposal efficiency of 83 and 23 touches 17 uncontested six contested and his pressure points were 22 he he won a clearance I think he could win more clearances and he had five scoring involvements with 88 percent game time so he's been trusted to play a role there and he was playing it very well for much of the game. Yeah, well, I'm in two minds about Dan Howe. You know I'm not his biggest fan, and you know I read his stats after the game, and I'm like, well, geez, he was prolific, and he's well on his way to securing another contract, whether I like it or not. But uh, <laughs> no, he's putting together a good year. I still I, I get nervous. I have my doubts about him, but you know he he shows up. <laughs> you know you do notice Dan Howe, for better or worse, he's having a dip. And his his larger body around the ball provides other blokes with a bit more space. But, um, yeah, I've noticed that he's really, really getting, um, hitting his straps. And he's kicked a couple of goals this year. This this week he didn't get anywhere near the goals. He was given a roll down back or sort of on the exit from the back line. So you're just seeing the generation of a, of a new side. He's a utility. Clarko wants to be able to plug and play uh, Daniel Howe wherever he needs him on the day. And to be a player that can do that, you've got to be, you've got to have huge concentration levels. And I think Dan Howe does have that, but he makes poor decisions every now and again, and people torch him for him. <laughs> it's just so. But I remember watching Crawford. Uh, remember Shane Crawford? He'd have that many touches that he would eventually give up a really bad one, and you'd be like, oh. But it wouldn't worry him. He'd go straight back in and get it again. But every now and again, there'd be a massive clang. I mean, it was just because he had so much of the ball. Now, Dan Howe's not at that level yet, but um, there was a bloke, uh, is it Ben Simmons in the basketball? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want to have a shot anymore, you know? And you don't want to get to that. He's not representing Australia and all this kind of stuff. I'm not a big basketball fan, but this guy's totally lost his head. You know, he's lost his head for the game. And... Um, the other bloke that was the scapegoat, what are we thinking about Timmy? Well, as soon as you said the word scapegoat, i I got to be honest, I thought you were going to go for Sam Frost because I know that people are torn on him from game to game and it, we'll, we'll get to Timmy in a sec, but Sam Frost I think has done a remarkably good job to hold down the fort in uh, Kyle Hardigan's absence. I feel like he's been set a task the last three weeks and he's performed and applied himself pretty well. Yep. Yeah, I I would have to agree there. Um, Kyle Hardigan probably straight back in. You'd have to assume. Mm-hmm. But um, who's he going to line up on at GWS? Who's who's a big forward there? Well, their most prolific forward is uh, Finlayson. We're pretty excited though. We can get to the G this weekend. When when do tickets become available for for the members? Just thought I'd jump in with a little bit of an update, Hawks fans. Tickets will be available Friday 25th of June. Now, if you remember, you've probably been contacted via email already with all the details. Uh, Otherwise, you can also jump on to ticketech.com.au and find them all there. What we do know is that it's a Giants home game, which is annoying. What, don't they want anyone there? Honestly, Tiz, I'm not sure that'd be much of a problem. (laughs) (laughs) It is Hawthorne Giants. Historically, we don't draw the biggest crowds there when when the two teams play. But they've capped it at 25,000. They 
could probably cap it at 15,000 and not be troubled by it. Uh, but, you know, unfortunate circumstances for Sydney, of course. But we'll take it, mate. I'm delighted to be going to the footy. Oh, well, our members have lost that many games over the last year and a bit. So um, it's just swings and roundabouts. And hopefully they they do all the procedures necessary and they're where we are now after our little outbreak. Exactly right. Now, um, looking ahead to that Giants game, th- this is a team, and it strikes me with the potential inclusions we've got in, that, that we've got coming in uh, this week, uh, it's a team that's capable of making changes in my mind. And that is a good position for Hawthorne to be in. I don't feel as though we're stuck, that we don't have any ideas left. I look at these names. You've got the likes of Cousins, Phillips, Segler, Burgoyne, Moore, O'Brien, Nash... I mean, you could even go on if you really wanted to, but those are names that you could take off the whiteboard. Could switch a few magnets around there, Tiz. I don't know your thoughts about that. Well, I think we better talk about the ruck situation. Draper, having not played a game in months, comes out and is the best ruckman on the pitch, hands down. Segler, having played a fantastic game the week before, uh, big boy, didn't see a lot of him. Reeves was, well, I mean, we didn't really need his involvement at at VFL level, but he had Phillips against him, who was one of Essendon's best. So I'm not sure what you do there, but the fact that they kept kicking to Draper for so long frustrated the hell out of me. And then the other thing is they're twin-teaming in the bloke. The bloke hasn't got any match fitness, and it didn't seem to matter. Enormously frustrating because it's like they haven't learned anything from playing against Melbourne. They've got the whole Max Gorn syndrome settling in once again. Well, no, they did They did fix it. They did fix it after halftime. It'd be unfair to say that they kept kicking it to him like they did Gorn. But, <laughs> and they did manage to stop Draper from leaving, from jumping, because apparently whenever he jumped, he took the mark. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. The Ruck's still a big problem. I think they need to back... I think they need to back Reeves in, to be honest. We had a query from Stewie Bro, one of our listeners, about this at Hawk Talk Pod. Given that normal service has resumed for SEGS after a cracking game against Sydney, what do we do now? And what do we do at season's end? Potential trade? Um, I'm in agreement with you. I think we need to back Reeves in. Uh, SEGS has had a fortnight. He couldn't replicate his form. Um, get Ned. Get Ned in. Yeah, but my question to you is, you, now we can't drop the captain, theoretically, and he's got another year doesn't he, McAvoy? And so does Segler. Or does he have two more? My question to you is, do we want to go with Segler and Reeves? Well, this is a question I raised on uh, Twitter, at Hawk Talk Pod. Uh, it sort of brought to mind, uh, if anyone's played it, um, NBA Jam, the old arcade game, where basically you walk up to the arcade box and, and you, you put your money in and you choose your two players from whichever team you want. Jeez, basketball's getting a good run this episode, isn't it? A few nods <laughs> to the NBA. Anyway, um, and you choose your two players. And I think that's kind of the ruck situation. Which combo are we going to go with? And I wouldn't be opposed to giving McAvoy just a week's rest and see what we can do with Segler and Reeves. Or do we run with three? No, we do not run with three. That is out of the question. You can't do three 200-centimetre blokes in the team? Look, maybe you could, but not those three. Okay. Don't make me seem like the unreasonable one. No, I'm not. I'm just thinking, couldn't you just park the bus? Uh, park um, the bus. Park. <laughs> How far are we ahead with three 200-centimetre giants? <laughs> park McAvoy full forward and then swap him out for Segler and... Let Reeves roam for the whole day? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, it could work. But I think Hawthorne's always grappled with the idea of being too slow. Yeah, but Sam Mitchell's been doing it at Box Hill. It's looked all right. Well, there's a thought. He's had Segler, Reeves and Brooksby. (laughs) (laughs) He's had Segler, Reeves, Brooksby. Now he's got Callow. He'll have Lewis this week. Jekka, if Jekka's not selected. Yeah, Jekka. It's just the land of the giants down there. But here's the thing. They've got some good shorter talent as well, Box Hill. They've got some uh, pretty dangerous small forwards roaming around. Yeah, that was interesting, actually. Um, You know, Mighty Mouse Saunders is obviously there. And I want to call him Danger Mouse, but you've insisted we call him Mighty Mouse. So Mighty Mouse it is. It's the company line. Did you notice Josh Morris in what 
seemed to be a totally out of character performance, and his confidence is 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 rock bottom, mate. Yeah, it's not looking good. He kicked zero three, and uh, yeah, he's way out of sorts. He was not really a factor at all in what was a thumping victory over uh, the Bombers over at Windy Hill. Yeah, he just seems to be thinking about it a little bit too much. It's all in his own head. I um, oh, I hope he pushes through. To be honest, I think he he copped a couple of whacks during the games and. You know, obviously didn't have. He must be very disappointed with his performance, but you know, I think he's got a future. The scoreboard isn't everything. He's got to find a way to contribute, even when he's kicking zero three. And I, I don't think he found that way on the weekend. That would have been his uh, his avenue to the spotlight. But when it was denied, he he wasn't bringing much else. Which is, and we know he can. We know he can bring the pressure. We've seen it before. So even without footy in hand, he can contribute. He just needs to find a way to do that. Uh, we have a bunch of questions here. Those names are read out before. The kinds of guys, the magnets I would shift around. A uh, number of questions here. One from Al at Hook Talk Pod. Do you feel like Cousins was a much better ball user in previous years? He seems to butcher it more often this season than previously. Is he trying too hard, maybe? Would love your thoughts. Yeah, I thought he was just giving the ball away immediately uh, on the weekend. First option... And unfortunately, it was often the wrong option. It was just someone in traffic or under pressure. And um, yeah, a little bit disappointed. But he got the ball. Like, he's still getting the ball. He has a knack for that. It's just about having the maturity uh, and the and the breathing technique to make the right decisions. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Accumulation is not the thing in question for mine. We know now that Cousins can find the footy at both levels. This is not a guy that suddenly graduates from VFL level and suddenly disappears and doesn't have any say. No, he finds the footy. It's more the execution. Those, those hack kicks that he is prone to, they don't do anything for us. And his average efficiency over this season is hovering, I think, around 67%. It's not that unusual like compared to other midfielders, but you do tend to notice it in games, or I just don't think he gives us the best service. And season's gone by. He's sort of been, when he's been plugged into the side, he's been one of the, one of the designated uh, kickers inside 50. And when you play that kind of role... You need to use it a bit better, I think. So handling the pressure, executing a bit better, better efficiency uh, would be the thing that would turn my opinion around on Cousins because I think he, he certainly finds it enough. There's no problem there. Is someone questioning whether Sean Burgoyne should play again? Oh, no. No, no. They're saying let him get to 400 and then do the old Jones of Melbourne and never see him again. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. It will sound harsh either way. Um, It's probably for the best. The the thing that we're seeing right now is that there's still a bit of magic in the tank. There's still some left, and it will be tapped into every now and again. But uh, it's getting depleted. It's down to its dregs, mate. We're we're seeing a player that looks 38. He's playing like he's 38 years old. Occasionally, because he's Silk, and Silk is brilliant, he's terrific, he's a marvellous superstar of the Hawthorne Football Club, a superstar of the game. You'll see it every now and again. To be honest, I think he's he's focused on the goal here, and uh, he's so worried about... Self-preservation? Yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> I would be too. I'm just pushing, putting myself in his, in his mould. But he was playing on tipper, wasn't he? And Tipper got nowhere near it. Tipper's unfit, obviously unfit. I don't think he left the gold square most of the day, did he? And two years ago, two years ago, he was sprinting out of the middle and all kinds of jazz. So his his role has been heavily reduced. I just can't wait to have the 400 come up for him. That'll be a terrific day. Yeah, I can't wait for it. And we might yet get it in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. I thought that game was going to be played in South Australia, but no, it's actually our home game. In uh, at Marvel Stadium against Port Adelaide. That's where number 400 could come up for Sean Burgoyne. But the question here from Neil at Hook Talk Pod is, what happens after that? And I wouldn't be surprised if he called it, Tiz, if he played 400 and said that was it. What happens after that? He's chaired off the ground. We talk about Burgoyne for a whole week, and then he's rested, and then he announces, you know, that's probably enough. And he's thoroughly deserved the 400. Uh, he had an incredible impact on Hawthorne, not only on-field but off-field as well, just mentoring some of the players to get that three-peat. And the maturity 
after 2012 to make them go again. Look, whatever happens from here with with the, the what is remaining of Sean Burgoyne's career, hell of a legacy. That and that is the thing that we're going to celebrate. And uh, you know what? He's sticking with the club, isn't he? Even when he retires from that on-field role, we have him off-field and. I think it'll, it'll be a marvellous influence for a long time to come. Going to be a hell of a book too. Oh, the book. Oh, I completely forgot about the book. <laughs> oh, that'll be good. Just quickly touching on another question here from Brent. What do you think of Duke's two games so far? I've noticed that Titch has hit the scoreboard in both games, which is really pleasing to see. Uh, Tiz, any correlation there that you've noticed? That was an interesting point that I myself didn't pick up on. Uh, no, I don't know that there's a correlation there. Um Newcomb stay in the side, do you think? Or Oh, come on. Don't don't switch him out in favour of Warple. I'd sooner switch out Cousins at this point in favour of Warple. I would give Jai another week to show what he's got, and then after three, give him a spell. I think that, that was what we were running with in years gone by. You give the standard three games and then back to Box Hill. Yeah, but it's a big jump, mate. You know, it's only, is it nine games ago he's playing in, in Gippsland? <laughs> So he's gone, it's stratospheric rise. The well-worn path of Puong to Box Hill to the MCG. Don't laugh. Um, I think it's three games since Lockie Bramble was playing for the Sunbury Lions. Yeah. So, you know, they're both, it's just the fact that they haven't had that much footy in the last 12 months. Hawthorne aren't playing enough kids. I'll tell you what, the numbers are rising now. Aren't they? The number of kids we've debuted this year and we're having a really good look at. And... We're, we're up to seven and we'll get to some potential debutants a bit later. But uh, yeah, look, I'd be inclined to give Jai one more week. So I was actually a bit worried about how Box Hill would go without Jai on the side because he was their hardest nut in the centre. But it turns out the Bombers don't have any midfielders <laughs> and we beat them 15 goals 12 to 7 goals 9. Absolutely smacked them. We could have beaten them by a lot more, but we we sort of got bored with the whole thing and um... <laughs> that's exactly what happened i'm so <laughs> glad you phrased it that exact way because as i was watching it that third quarter was like i think we don't want to be playing anymore <laughs> <laughs> but not in such a way that would like undermine our our own performance it was just like they're just almost looking at each other like we've won this right this game's over like just can we have the final siren and all go home because we know what the result's going to be <laughs> So, I mean, they they held dominance from the first quarter, but they really put Essendon to the sword in the second. Like, that was... Would they kick, like... I think they, they extended from a from a 20-point margin. They they piled another 40 points on inside a quarter. They kicked six goals four, and Essendon didn't have a score at all. And it was off the back of a wonderfully... I'm going to liken him to Gordon Ramsay again. He was so aggressive, Sam. He... Even though they were doing well in the first quarter, he could see how this game could be won right then and there. And he told them, he put pressure on the halfbacks, they're going to give the cough the ball up, and that's exactly what happened. They just nailed goal after goal in exactly that scenario. Oh, it was, uh, continuing on the uh, the chef metaphor, it was uh, chef's kiss delicious, Tibbs, <laughs> to watch the Essendon defenders try and come out from the back 50, and you'd see them chip it around, and one would take a mark. And it, it, invariably, every single time, one would take a mark, and they'd signal with their hands, like, all right, boys, let's just slow it down, slow it down. <laughs> it's like, okay. If, if you would like to slow the ball movement down so we can set up our defensive structures, by all means. But they're even better, Tiz. The times when they weren't doing that and they thought they'd try and move it quickly, they had neither the skills nor the decision-making to do it properly. Well, it's just perceived pressure as well. Oh, exactly right. It was just we had their number on, on in almost every way. And uh, in terms of prolific players on the day, uh, a real surprise here, Ollie Hanrahan really stepped up to the plate with 28 touches, kicked two goals, one. He played a bit forward and then was switched into the midfield where that's where he racked up the touches, especially in that part of the ground. Um, also, a lot has been said about Finn McGuinness. 17 touches, an equal team high, six tackles and kicked two goals. Two good goals too. Uh, set shots um, with pressure on. And that is his best performance I've seen easily. Agreed. Yeah, that's the best he's looked. Winning his own ball. Uh, not accelerating around uh, away from the packs, but but bringing his teammates into the game and um, being in the right position more often than not, which is great to see for him because we know he has talent, he has an ability, um, 
but his positioning in contests, it, it sometimes it, it seems um, he's just giving too he's just giving his opponent too much leeway. Mm-hmm. But that on the weekend he corrected, and he also punished them on the scoreboard. And rightly, Sam Mitchell called him out for playing his best. I mean, Finn McGuinness was assigned a, a bit of a lockdown role as well. Like as you say, Essendon don't have a stellar midfield at the VFL level, but. He, he took the role of basically stifling the, the captain's influence, and I think Finn did wonderfully well in that regard. And just Ollie and Finn combined, playing with just a, a genuinely palpable spirit, like two really motivated guys. It was good energy, good energy from them both. Now, when I talk about percentages and being in the right spot and playing the percentages, and uh, there was one bloke that does that effortlessly, and you won't be surprised when I say it's Denver Granger Barras. Mm-hmm. He is almost in the right spot all the time, and if he isn't, and he wasn't on a couple of occasions, he managed to have the contest, and I was like, that is fantastic. Because the ball went over the back on him one time, he was one-on-one, still managed to get that ball scrambled through for a rush behind. I'm not saying he's selected this week, but he's not going to be there long, Nick. No, I totally agree. And make no mistake, that moment that you referenced, it was a goal-saving effort. Uh, you know, in a game where, like, Box Hill's beating their opposition by a ton, it doesn't really matter. But it's those things that you put in anyway. You, you try your best anyway, and you strive and make the effort because you know that you should. You know that you can, and I, I thought that was great. But he struck me as a bit... Gibbo-esque in his role. I, I saw a bit of Josh Gibson about him. I know that's a that's a tough comparison, obviously, with Gibbo's resume. But By that, you mean his timing. His timing to the contest. Yeah, his timing. His just general aerial role as, as coming over and, and doing the big spoil and helping out his teammates. 12 touches and 6 marks for DGB, and that was his first official VFL game. I think that's something that we have to remember. He only played a practice against, uh, I think it was Werribee, wasn't it, where he got injured. Um, so really, this is his first shot at you know the level, so to speak, and I think you're right, Tiz. It won't it won't be kept down too long if he keeps producing like that. Emerson Jacker put his hand up early in the match, decided that he was going to have an influence. Um, he didn't have a massive influence. I thought Callow and Jacker tried to keep out of each other's way to their own detriment, and uh, it just meant that Green, the former Bulldog, was getting everything. <laughs> He had a day out. Well, that, that's exactly right. I, I mean, Jekker and Callow, they didn't need to be the go-to targets, either of them. They didn't need to be anywhere near as prolific as... Well, we know Jekker can be. We're only just starting to see Callow now. But uh, Fergus Green was the, was the go-to guy. He was the target to the extent that he pretty much did what he liked. At one point, running into goal and slamming it on his boot. <laughs> the most missing. arrogant manoeuvre you could ever imagine. And he paid the price. He absolutely shanked it and missed a sitter. Um, but what well, I think he ended up with four goals. In the end, Green, he could have ended up with five or six quite easily. But uh, as for Jekka, 12 disposals and two goals. Jackson Keller, uh, Jesus, a big boy. He was on debut for Box Hill. Our first real look at him in any kind of brown and gold. Nine touches, two goals, good contested grab. Uh, he was fine. He was fine, Tiz. I very much look forward to seeing more of him. Double teamed in the goal square, leaned back on one, leaned forward on the other and took an uncontested mark. I really enjoyed that moment because <laughs> it just showed that he, he was happy to use his body as the ball was in flight. To benefit himself. And we've seen a couple of players uh, that come up to AFL's level that, that don't have that awareness, that body shift, that body awareness and, and that aggression. So I think between Callow and DGB, it was the kind of thing where Hawks fans could sit there watching the coverage going, just sort of nodding along, going, okay, yeah, like what I'm seeing here. There's a couple of bookends. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> um Downey had an interesting game, I thought. Connor Downey, it was a very up-and-down performance. Hey, at least he's getting the ball, because he hasn't been getting the ball. And, uh, you know, he had a couple of one-on-ones that he won, and he used his acceleration and pace. But, yeah, his uh, his disposal left a bit to be desired. And Oh, he, he did some really nice things, but in equal measure seemed to let himself down <laughs> every second play. So, yeah, it was a, it was a weird day for him, but, look, he does seem to be coming along, and that's been echoed in Sam Mitchell's report. His sentiments seem to confirm that. So, look, you've got to be satisfied with that at least, I think. He might get a real debut soon, maybe. 
since we're talking about it, let's uh, let's discuss the potential inclusions for Hawthorne versus GWS at the MCG, one ten pm this Sunday. Uh, got some selection headaches, mate. Uh, for a team that's sitting in 17th, we've got to work out how to accommodate some of these guys because James Warple is free to play. Really? You think the form of the side's going to keep a couple of these players at Box Hill, do you think? Warple's... Stop being a smartass, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> There's obviously guys like uh, Warple and Hardigan. They've served their suspensions, so that you'd imagine they get whisked straight back into the side. How did we not contest the Warple one? It doesn't make any sense. Anyway. I don't know. Uh, anyway, look, we've got them both back this week, so then becomes a question of who exactly comes out. But then we've sort of discussed it all throughout this show. Uh, Reeves and Lewis, DGB, does Finn get a go? What about Tyler Brockman, who was so close? We, we were so, so convinced there for a moment that he was going to be the uh, the medical sub and end up being Connor Nash. So... There's a lot of questions around selection time, and we're we're gonna we're just gonna say definitively. We're recording this on a Wednesday night, so well before selection, well well before the squad is finalised. Even Warple and Hardigan come back in, yes. Yeah, they'll be back in, and you'll probably see Giath come out, so that'll be the defender, and Warple come in for either Cousins or Bramble or. I'm I'm gonna say that Cousins comes out and Warple goes in. Uh, I'm going to say that O'Brien comes out and Hardigan comes in. I think what we what we need to really think about is is uh, not so much who's going to come out, but who else are we going to see at AFL level before the year's out? Are we going to bother blooding uh, DGB? Are we going to bother looking at Saunders? Um, what do we do? We want to give them a taste of things to come, you know, to give them the drive for next year. What? What's the philosophy here? Do they have to earn it? Because these are kids that are playing very well at Box Hill, but they've missed a month of footy. So We had a question about this from one of our listeners, Danny, at Hawk Talk Pod. Which Hawks do you think will be the next to make their debut and which Hawks do you want to make their debut? Um, we're going to count Connor Downey among this because that's not a real debut by any measure. So happy to put him in the mix for this one. Um who do you think will make their debut? Who do you want to make their debut? Well, I don't see Seamus Mitchell as, as coming in before the end of the year, unless he's an absolute freak. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that happens. He's only one week away, mate. Seamus Mitchell has crawled his way back. I reckon the uh, the fans would love to see Denver before the end of the year. I reckon that would be fantastic for the crowd. Uh, Callow, I'm not sure... He's going to work out the forward leading patterns by the end of the year. Saunders, probably not. Um, Pepper? I'm not sure where the club stands on Pepper, but um, it's probably unlikely, but I would like to see it happen. I do, I, do like, I do like Harry Pepper. I don't see it as likely. I think uh, the next to make their debut, I'm going to say uh, Denver. Uh, and I want him to make his debut. I'm not saying straight away, but I, I think it will happen and I want it to happen. Denver, Callow, Downey, Saunders, Pepper, and Seamus, just because he hasn't had a run at it, really. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. But if he's really quick, we need some speed. We do have the need for speed. Uh, we heard from Dino. Do we see more of Duke, Warpedo, and Jager in the middle? Well, you know where I stand on this. I think that we do keep that intact. I think we see... Uh, or I say intact, that's what we had for Sydney at least. I think we restore that trio. Uh, Newcomb, James Warple, Jager O'Meara, I think we give that another go for this week at least. Yeah, I agree. That'll happen. This is an interesting question, and what I was talking about earlier. Uh, Gunston and Sisley, were they available, says Richard, this week? Who would you drop? (laughs) Now, it's funny. I read this question from, uh, from Richard, and, you know, in either case, the first name that, came to mind was O'Brien's out <laughs> for both of them. I don't care which one comes in first. O'Brien is the first one out. <laughs> you just have him in the gun every time. It's like he's not he can't be to blame for everything. No, don't don't pigeonhole me as one of those supporters. That's not fair. I'm saying he is a he is a like for like for those two, wouldn't you say? I mean they they all three play forward for one. Okay. In fact, we've seen all three in the back line lately, <laughs> Gunston. But uh, it, I think it makes sense. O'Brien switching out for either of those players makes logical sense. It would be a much better team, though, wouldn't it? 
It'll be a much better team. That improves the team, what, 10 15% just having Gunston and Sicily in. I want to throw the question back onto you, though. There's two players there. I, I've named one. I struggle to think of the other one that, that I'd take out of the side. Gunston and Sicily, you have to accommodate them, but I, I was struggling to think of who exactly... More comes straight out. More comes straight out. It's not really a like-for-like inclusion and omission, though, is it? Well, Gunston plays small. I mean, Moore's only getting nine touches a game. Burgoyne's probably the other one that comes out. Oh, cool. Yeah, Burgoyne. Yeah. No, fair enough. All right. And he won't be there next year. Um, and then you have a you have a much better line up there. I think you do, yeah. Uh, one other question from Peter here. If you had to drop one of Phillips or Wingard, because let's face it, both are underperforming given their demonstrated skill set, who would it be? Tis, I'm nominating Tom Phillips to come out of the side. Is that just because Wingard's got better potential than a potential match winner or because Tom's a little bit boring to watch? Well, I thought I'd give you the long answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think Tom is slowly getting into his role. Um, played very well against the Swans. Um, he goes missing. It's a real problem. But, our, you know... The wing, to play the wing for Hawthorne, it's a bloody tough role. It is, yeah. Um, it's not like he's quick. It's not like we get it out to him, uh, you know, easily. I think he had a 50-50 split between his contested and uncontested. And as a wingman, that shouldn't be happening. So I think in the long run, Phillips is in this side for quite some time. And so is Wingard. Unless he's the one that we're going to trade to get pick three out of the Gold Coast which apparently they've put on the table, Nick. Now, I want to know, how can we get the pick three, please? If we, if we can get pick two and three, we're looking at premierships. With an S, not just one, <laughs> not just one, but premierships. You've sprung this on me, and I don't know if, it, if we have a, a single player that could get a deal done like that. We'd have to package things up. You're thinking Burgoyne and Big Boy? <laughs> no, I think Geelong are after those guys, aren't they? <laughs> No, a bit young. Um, <laughs> uh, no, they're looking for leadership with a capital L. <laughs> They've already got enough capital L's, I think you'll find. It's half the problem. Uh, but it is a change of direction. They've decided that they're no longer just going to recruit baby-faced, incredibly talented players that stay for a few years and then decide they want a career in football. No, they're going to actually bring in some useful talent and some direction from above and and people that demonstrate on-field leadership. So uh, we've known that they they wanted Burgoyne before. I spoke to him about that. He seemed very relieved that he didn't go. So I don't know. I don't know what we can offer, but um, it's, it's very tempting. It's very tempting. And I can see, you know, if the AFL house let it happen which obviously they probably wouldn't because they control Gold Coast anyway if we got picks two and three oh gee whiz pick two and three would make it the most tantalizing draft perhaps in Hawthorne history that would be incredible and it would be fantastic because all the talk from every terrible footy show over the last few years has been Hawthorne really need to go to the draft Hawthorne need to go to the draft why are they going to the draft (laughs) And then we rock up with picks two and three. The whole footy world goes, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got all that cash. Don't forget the cash we've got. So much cash. Thank you, Patton. Thank you, Scully. (sighs) We haven't missed you. (sighs) Now. (laughs) I was going to say there's a couple of asterisks on there, but anyway. The thank you part. Um, Yeah, well, exactly. Maybe that's unfair to Scully. I'm more referring to Patton there. Anyway, the less said about that, the better. But it just shows you that no one's... It just shows you that no one's irreplaceable, doesn't it? Well, you know, we we had to mobilise and... I think with respect to, you know, a, a big monster forward, uh, I think we did well to compensate for Patton leaving and we found Cozzy. That wasn't... You can't tell me that was part of the plans. I don't think that was where we were headed at all. And then we eventually got Callow anyway. That's right, yeah. We were discussing him as a replacement for Patton. So, you know, all's well that ends well, I guess. I can't wait to deal with Gold Coast again. <laughs> You are so giddy with excitement, aren't you? You want to pry that pick three from their from their hands. And you know what? Stranger things have happened. We could get it done. <laughs> we need to move on and talk about the hard-hitting issues, though. This final question for the show comes from listener ends at Hook Talk Pod. 
Cherry Ripe or Bounty Bar? Is this a <laughs> is this a meme or something? What's this What's this about? No, I, I think it's a bit more innocent than that. Uh, it's just asking which chocolate you'd prefer. Oh, the Bounty Bar. Definitely. And the mini bounty bar, because you don't want an enormous bounty bar because there's too much bloody coconut. And, and see, this is what makes us such a good podcasting duo, because I'm cherry ripe all the way. <laughs> really? They're horrible, those things. Oh, look, they're not my favourite. And, and I mean that quite sincerely. If they're in a box of favourites, I'll leave them to last. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Turkish Delight, even before the... Yeah, mate, the, the, the bottom two are um, Turkish Delight and cherry ripe. No question about it. Virtually everything else is negotiable about where they sit on the pecking order, but those two are always last. Yeah, they're just fillers. Yeah, as in they fill the box with way too many of them. <laughs> Thank you, Enns, for your question. I'm very passionate about this. Uh, we need to get to some social media stuff before we wrap up. Um, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, as our Jack Gunston fan has done. A five-star review here from Jack Gunston fan. Great pod, lads. Keep up the good work. Go Hawks. Short, sweet. To the point, that is a five-star review, and we thank you so much. You too can jump on and rate and review the show, and that helps people find the Hawk Talk podcast. So if you haven't done it already, go and do that. You can find us on Twitter as well, at Hawk Talk Pod. We're very close to our next big milestone, which is 2,700 followers. I can't believe how how much things have climbed. It, it, you know, it's been a down season, but the community just seems to grow and grow, and it's great to see. So, welcome aboard, everyone that's joined this year. You can join our Facebook family as well. well. They can see the the green shoots, can't they? We can see the green shoots. That's for sure. Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod is a place to go to join our Facebook family. Uh, Instagram search HawkTalkPodcast. Patreon is the one where you can actually support the show. Uh, you can jump on board and sign up at any tier you like. We recommend the one with the, the bonus audio content that seems to be the most popular one. And in very real terms, you can basically thank us and support the show and allow it to get bigger and better going forward. So that's patreon.com slash hawktalkpod. So Sunday, mate, one o'clock, we get to line up. <laughs> line up like there are going to be lines. <laughs> What fantasy world are you operating in? Hey, listen, the last time I went to the G, I had to queue. It's ridiculous. Mate, the only big, big sound that's happening at the MCG, the echo is coming off the walls. <laughs> and you know what? You know you know what the best part of that is? It won't be our fault because it's a Giants home game. Oh, it boggles the mind that they... Anyway, it has to be their home game, but they've got to make... Like, no one's getting out of Sydney to come to the to the MCG. Let me tell you that right now. It's dumb. You're dealing with a city that would be so hungry just to go to the footy. And you're stifling that by letting it be a greater Western Sydney home game. They don't have the supporter base here. And Well, the MCC are allowing me to buy two visitor tickets. So they know there's not going to be that many people going. If you would like to be one of Tizza's guests, at Hawk Talk Pod. <laughs> <laughs> ah, they're spoken for, Chief. Like they're available. God. Could have been worse. Could have given out your home address. I live in a P.O. box. Don't you know this? And on that bombshell, <laughs> this has been another episode of the Hawk Talk Podcast. We'll be back next week to recap the clash with the Giants. We are a happy team at Hawthorne. Hawk Talk.